Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you if people send you the same generic conversation starters they message everyone else? Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to A Few Things, where we give our greatest discoveries the podcast they deserve. I'm Claire Mazer. And I'm Erica Cerullo. This show is brought to you by Avakind. Find out more and sign up for our newsletter at avakind.com. Um, something that I've been talking about a lot in real life, on social media, and now on this podcast, we just started carrying a product called Tinted Face Oil from Kosas. Um, Kosas has, is known for their extremely high quality and beautiful lipsticks. That like stay so so well so much better than you would imagine without being a lipstick would be but without being like a stain or crusty yeah yeah yeah. um i i if i had to characterize what makes kosas has does two things really well color and formula the texture of everything is really nice i also wear their blushes um so they just came out with something that is kind of like a foundation in the sense that it 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 is skin colored and it provides some amount of coverage but they were geniuses because they <laughs> called it tinted face oil, which let me tell you, yeah. made me be like, ooh, what's well, that? And like you and I yeah. both read whatever the yeah. same article on yeah. the internet where we saw yeah. this and we're both like, Marie, can yeah. we, can yeah. we, can we have this, this on of a kind? Like, and it, it, it is fair. It's actually a face oil. Like if you let it sit on your counter for it a separates. while, it'll separate into the oil and it is moisturizing. And what's so great about it being this way is you, it, it's kind of transparent because it's, I don't like foundation. When I've tried to wear it in the past, I always feel like my face just looks flat and it's a very unflattering look for me. I lose all, and I'm not talented like Kim Kardashian enough to contour and bring the shape back to my face. So it just really. Well, and I like, I don't care if like Dewey's not in at whatever moment. Mm -hmm. I always want my skin to look like it has like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, of course. We're we're not getting any younger around here. No, we're not 22. We can't do a matte face. Um, (laughs) And this stuff provides dewiness. It really does. And I, um, I like my basic skin routine in the morning is is sun, you know like sunscreen and then uh I do this other <laughs> tinted oil basically which is argan oil with bronzer in it um that I is it, it's the Josie Marin one you can only find it on like HSN or QVC or something god forbid they ever end that exclusivity agreement <laughs> I can't buy it anymore but what I love about this face oil is that it 
plays so well with all the other stuff that I pile on my face and the bronzing <laughs> argon oil like shows through the tinted face so oil. So you like, put I the bronzing the argon oil first? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Which I don't know. You know, I've only been wearing this for, I don't know, I since I went on vacation, maybe like three or four weeks. So it, that could change at some point. Yeah. Um, so I wear 04. Um, and I wear 03. I think that that's the one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and the one you picked out for me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it comes in 10, sh- ten shades. Um, it is... Just oh, and the other thing is, it's you. You, you I use really use like two to three drops max, and it goes over your entire face, which I really like about that. About it, it just feels like really low maintenance foundation. If such a thing could exist, because I think a foundation is the opposite uh, not of low, low maintenance. maintenance yeah. Um, so it's ten percent off with the code. A few things. I feel very strongly about it. I think it's clear. Yeah. I don't think anyone would think that you didn't. Something else we feel very strongly about on opposite sides oh mm-hmm. the aisle yeah <laughs> yeah uh, we this is this is yeah mm-hmm. we're really on opposite yeah. sides of the aisle on this one um what sorts of shoes you wear with your workout clothes yeah when you go to a workout class yeah so we've talked about this before we'll just review it quickly erica takes a lot of mat or not mat classes but you take classes that require that are shoeless. I take a lot of shoeless. I would say I'm a shoeless <laughs> fitness class enthusiast. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And so when and you take a lot of them before work and so or when, after work, yeah, right? Yeah. So instead of and and everything about this is logical. Instead of bringing two pairs of shoes to work, you either you wear your you know, outdoor voices, capri pants with... They're not capris, but I understand what you're saying. <laughs> Three-quarter your leg, you know, full Three leggings. Three-quarter, seven-eighths, yeah. yep, yep. With a mid-heel... Uh, with a, with a, a mule. A mid-heel mule sometimes. A, a little bit of a block. The Artemis design... The, those little ones have a little bit of a heel. Though... <sighs> Don't it's really a leather, wear a heel. The, the, the shoe she's just put up on the table <laughs> to, to demonstrate, demonstrate is it's a, a white shoe. faux croc leather um, loafer slide. It's a it's a it's a mule loafer loafer mule. Sure, whatever. So you guys know them. They're the Frida Salvador. It's like a classic it's mule. A, and you've seen mule. yeah yeah okay. Yeah. So here's something. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna wear these home tonight after I go to Pilates class. And here's the thing. I understand why. And and it makes because I am a rational actor. I if I am nothing else, <laughs> I am a rational actor. You are. And I, the other day was I've been taking more classes now because I'm pregnant and because running has gotten harder yeah. and just wanting to stretch and tone things. Um, and you know, it just feels more important <laughs> when you. <laughs> and I don't don't even know which things. I just know I have all this extra weight right in the middle, and I, I something I need something to support it. Yeah. So trying to get trying to get some things toned. Um, and so I was going to a class before work and was wanted to wear something nice. Cause a lot, I just do it so rarely that often I will plan it around. Like, I don't need to look cute that day. Sure. I'll just wear and sneakers. I never, and I do mm-hmm. a similar thing, yeah. but my bar is very different where I'm like, <laughs> I, if I'm going to like something fancy, I'm going to yeah. want to wear like a, fa- uh, like a fancy dress that I don't, I'm not yeah. going to put in a bag or like a high heel. Then yeah. like, then you you're know, not. then I'm not going to yeah. go to workout class that day. Cause I'm also just not going to feel that cute. Right. Ultimately. Also. Yeah. So, but I went and I, and I, you know, took a deep breath and I, Put on my outdoor voices leggings, and then I put on actually the the same shoe in a different color and yeah. and texture. And I said, "What's so crazy about this? I'm just gonna put on my outdoor voices yeah, and totally put on these shoes. I'm gonna go 
two subway stops yeah. in this outfit and yeah. and then I'll be done and nobody will ever see it again. And I hated it so Why? much. Because I just don't think you should wear dress shoes with workout clothes. It's so weird. Okay, here's, I got it. There are a lot of things to yeah. say. Mm-hmm. Dress shoes, for one, <laughs> is like, I. it is such a weird term that you're you using. You say gym shoes. Yeah, because. Which I'm, is the actual equivalent. Of dress well, shoes. No, I say gym shoes because I grew up saying in the Midwest where you say tennis shoes yeah. and that's not acceptable on the East Coast. So yeah. I had to learn to change. But why not just sneakers? Because that's not a word that the mid that I that applies. <laughs> like gym shoes is a trans is like a compromise. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Okay, so right, you don't you I wanted never to, you wanted to retain some of your Midwest. Yeah, I would never right. say sneakers, okay. but if I say tennis shoes, yeah. people assume I'm talking about shoes for playing for tennis. Playing tennis. That's so right. that's why I got landed okay. on gym shoes. Dress shoes. What other? You said something. Oh, dress pants. You said recently, like in the same way where I'm like, what is like? Are we shopping in a department store in 1972? Yeah. What well, are these to me, terms? They're very gendered, really, because I I really think of a dress shoe and a dress pant as a male thing. Yeah, it's like something I would have to say for Chris, like if he's like, you what do I have to wear? Dress this? <laughs> or what? What's the dress code for this wedding or for this restaurant that we're going to? Do you to? say slacks? Have we? Is no, that I don't you? say okay, slacks. Good. Thank do you? God. Ooh, no. no. Did I you feel say like my parents? Do you say? Do you say sports coat? No, I don't say sports <laughs> coat. I don't even say dress shoes all that often. It's just but I need to draw. Context. Well, in this, there's there's only really two categories we're talking about in this context: dress shoes or sneakers. Although I will say I've been known to wear a sandal with. It. I feel totally fine wearing a basic sandal with a workout Why? clothes because it's casual. So it's a casual shoe versus a dress shoe. I'm not I even think, saying you have to wear a sneaker. I'm saying we're talking about a casual shoe. I think this shoe. shoe is the same casual <laughs> no. as a flat sandal. I That's absolutely untrue. Why? Like a flat slide, like the Palatines yeah. we sell? No. You also are less, You are also more comfortable with a Chelsea boot mm-hmm. um, and a legging than you are with these. That's true, but I don't love it. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not proud of you for it. <laughs> I well, you saw it one day yeah. and decided I, it right. had a certain Aaron Wasson in oh, her yeah, heyday vibe. Oh yeah, I do remember that. Do yeah, call, if yeah. It, yeah, because and also, but you were wearing a dark legging that day. It was like either navy blue or black. If you were wearing that heathered gray with it, I don't know how much I could have gotten behind it. I understand everything you were saying, and it is rational, and it is so necessary in New York. And I still, I w- I really wanted to do it. I gave it a shot. I gave Why it my best. Why would I go to a workout it. class yeah. to feel better and give myself shoulder and back pain by carrying around an extra pair? And of nobody shoes. hates carrying more weight, like extra weight, than more than I do. I hate it. You know me. I yeah. can't carry things on my shoulder no. without getting a headache. But yeah, okay, mm. something to work on. Okay, but some 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 really good news that you have also. Oh my some, god, some fantastic news! Unbelievable. I, so this is also a follow up to a previous conversation about. So you know we previously spoke about pretzel perfection, which is the Delta's in flight, the prized in flight <laughs> snack of yeah. Delta Airlines. That's yeah. right. It's their savory option. It's um, gluten free combination of pretzels. Um, like Fake Cheetos. Faux Cheetos. Yeah. Cheat foes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and what's the third thing? Why can I not think of it? I don't know. Oh, like a tortilla chip. Yeah. Or, yeah, uh, that's right. A, dori- a, fake, a dori- Dorito. A fake Dorito. Yeah. And is there, are there nuts in it? I can't remember. No. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we've felt so great about this snack that we, you know, researched it, discovered it was started by a woman. It has an interesting story. Yeah. 
Well, I'm here to tell you I know a lot more about that story now. And yeah. here's why. Because in the Delta Entertain- in-flight entertainment program, I discovered that there is a pretzel perfection documentary. And if you could put quotes around <laughs> documentary, I think you should. How long was this? It's like five minutes and 34 seconds. So branded content yeah. is what that means. There is, is Delta in-flight <laughs> branded content about their snacks. Right. And they're it- actually, they're adult. It's entertainment to um, introduce you to Delta's brand partners. Uh-huh. Um, and what other brand partners are presented? Any? I didn't find any because the way I discovered this to begin with was that I just decided instead of asking to see all the movies by genre, by I comedy. just wanted to see, yeah, I wanted to see A to Z. Um, and this one, I think, was like Delta Partners colon Pretzel Perfection. So you made it and to I, D. And I was so excited. That's I was, exactly what you were looking for. I was somewhere over the Atlantic Ocean and I never wanted to text you so badly in my life. <laughs> And I took a picture of the screen to be like, Texas to Erica later. By the time I landed, I'd moved on. But um, it was a delightful documentary. I would, most of the things we knew, it just went more in depth on her journey um, as what, you know, she calls a stay at home mom and bringing, making pretzel treats for the classroom and then becoming gluten intolerant. And she could be, she had an autoimmune disorder. And so like pretzel perfection became um, gluten-free. She had enlisted all of these other classroom moms to, to help her. And it's a wonderful small business story that is like exactly the kind you don't hear a lot of anymore. However, the most important thing you need to know is that the closing, um, slide, the closing credit that lingers for quite a while lets you know that pretzel perfection is now party perfection. And you think that's because they're moving away from pretzels? Or? No, I think it's because they're expanding beyond just pretzels. Right, 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 yeah, right, right, yeah, right, yeah, right, yeah, right. Yes, Same. that is, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think okay. they don't want to be limited to pretzels anymore, well, so it's all about, a, and, and I think they're known for their party mix at the end of the day, because it's a pretzel perfection party, party mix. mix. Yeah. They just want to get their brand messaging straight. But their social handle right now is Pretzel P. Yeah. Well, they're not really using that Twitter as much as, as, you, <laughs> as, would think. as you would think for as yeah. wonderful of a company as they are. I think they're probably still getting their social strategy together. I also think that when you're kind of a, I doubt she's a one woman shop anymore, but it, no. I will say that watching this story and seeing how homegrown this was, I just, I was like, the story I actually want to hear is what it was like when she got the phone call that Delta wanted to start carrying. Not music. even, like, how, where, how did it happen? That, how this happened? Give I, me that story. Because, Fast company. Exactly. Like, <laughs> tell that story. Yeah, so I think that probably Delta came in, made her business something completely different than what it was, and Twitter suddenly fell a lot further down on the list of priorities for her to address. I imagine you're correct. Yeah. Um, I have one piece of criticism yeah. of pretzel perfection, party perfection, mm-hmm you know, yeah. for, artist formerly known as <laughs> Pretzel yeah, Perfection. Yeah. Um, I was on a flight recently, mm. was very excited to get Pretzel Perfection. Yep. Thomas hadn't had it before. I was thrilled. <laughs> we had it. It was great. Then the return flight, yeah. we're both just like, great, this is what we're doing. Gives you something to look forward to on a Delta flight. A hundred percent. This version mm-hmm. of the mix had substituted out the faux Cheeto mm-hmm. for a little breadstick, yep. like a Gardetto's breadstick, you know. It's not even as good. Well, it, it's the non-good breadstick in the Gardetto's because there's two bread pieces in the Gardetto's. Gardetto's has like the toast and then the breadstick. Yeah. And yeah. you're talking about the bland breadstick. Yeah, I'm talking yeah. about the bland breadstick. Yeah. That was substituted not good. I, I It was just, well, just disappointing. Yeah, no. It's not what I wanted. It's Listen, not what I expected. I had the exact same experience on, in fact, this flight where I had watched the Pretzel Perfection documentary. It was really disappointing, and I will say that part of me was just like, oh, am I just, like, tired and my taste buds are out of whack no. and I'm forgetting how good this actually no. is? 
No, it was not as good. And I, I think we can all only hope that that was just a temporary thing. Because I think they it was a test. Let's Cheetos. just say it was a yeah. test. Yeah. Um, pretzel perfection, if you're listening, and I hope you are, because I don't know who else is giving you this much airtime. <laughs> Besides the Delta in-flight entertainment <laughs> program, obviously, please bring back the Cheetos. Those were we an want, important, yes, important part of the recipe. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Let's let's, let's move bring on. on our guest. Yeah. yeah. Um, we are here with Jacqueline Johnson, who is the CEO and frankly, just powerhouse behind Create and Cultivate. And she is also the author of Work Party, a book that just came out. Jacqueline, Hi. Hi, so glad to be here. We're psyched to have you and to talk about all of the stuff that you work on and all the magic that you make. Thank you. Can you tell us what Create and Cultivate is? Yes. So Create and Cultivate is an online platform and offline conference series for women looking to create and cultivate the career of their dreams. So that's everyone from, you know, an entrepreneur, uh, someone who has a full-time nine to five job that has the five to nine side hustle, um, and just generally women who are looking for inspiration in their lives and their careers. Remember that that we were on a really early Create and Cultivate panel. Was that like 2012, maybe? Yes. Yeah. So yeah. in Williamsburg. Oh yeah. Yes. It was around a pool. It was like yeah. one of the best um, oh, talks so I feel lovely. like we ever got to give. It was just such a nice day. And it felt very um, like intimate. Everybody yeah. was very comfortable and very much themselves. And it felt not at all like a conference. Yeah. Like everybody's very engaged. Yeah. Oh, good. Yes, yeah. that was an OG CNC. Yeah, uh, but was still one of my favorites for sure. We had so many incredible women speaking, um, and I remember it was our first time coming to New York, which is always scary. Yeah, uh, totally. But it it was so good, and I, you guys had maybe just started of a kind, which is you, crazy. To we think were a couple about. years. Yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, like only like a couple years. Yeah, in. yeah, yeah, yeah. And t- how did you end up starting Create and Cultivate? What were you doing before? Yeah. So I ran a marketing and events agency here in Los Angeles called No Subject. Mm -hmm. And I started it when I was 23. Didn't, you know, know what I was doing as you do when you start your first company. (laughs) Uh, Made a lot of mistakes along the way. And essentially, Create and Cultivate was born out of those mistakes and experiences. So basically, what I found was being an entrepreneur and a solo, you know, a founder can be very isolating. And when you look for advice, and when I sort of Googled for advice, I couldn't find anything that looked, felt, or spoke to me as a millennial female founder. And Mm so Create and Cultivate was really an experience I put together based on the fact that I just wanted to hang out with other cool women, doing cool things, share secrets, you know, give each other advice, support each other, build each other up. And it really was just selfishly a project for myself, Um, but was a fun side project that just kind of took on a life of its own. And, you know, now is my full-time job. Um, What made you think that at 23, like what gave you the nerve at 23 to start an agency of your own to begin with? It was less nerve, more desperation. I think Mm -hmm. I, um, you know, I'd gotten transferred to LA. I'd always worked in corporate America um, and was laid off. And it was really a shock to my system, both personally and professionally. And basically, you know, in terms of what happened next, you know, I kind of sent out that email that was like, hi, I'm unemployed living in Los Angeles now and have uh, need to find a job or need work. Anyone have any recommendations? And of course, you know, my network came through in many different ways, but um, the c- 
company started very happenstancely. It was really just like I got one client, another client, office space, and cut to, you know, it was a marketing agency. So there was no business plan. There was no strategy. Um, you know, it really was just demand meeting, you know, expectation meeting client meeting. Can I go on another day doing this? And I think sometimes that's the best way to start a business depending on what your business is. But, um, you know, I think it's just you have to have an unnerving amount of ambition and drive to be an entrepreneur and be able to be your own hype woman or hype man at the end of the day when you're going into meetings and knowing that you might not be the best, um, you might not be the cheapest, but, um, you know, you got to make it happen. So I made it happen. One of the things that I found really impressive about Create and Cultivate is it was early to the space that you just described where it was, you know, giving uh, career advice and, and inspiration to millennials and millennial women specifically. So many things have followed in its footsteps, but Create and Cultivate has really stood out to me anyway as the real success in this space. It's really stood apart and it has uh, stuck around and, and maintained a strong following while others have not. And I'm just curious what you think differentiates Create and Cultivate and what has contributed to its success. Well, first of all, thank you. I appreciate that. And yeah, I think our success was parallel path with the fact that um, you know, these other movements started cropping up. And so equal pay, the Me Too mm -hmm. movement, and obviously Create and Cultivate has been around since 2011. So mm -hmm. a very long time. And then people oftentimes are like, you got so successful so fast. And I'm like, no, it's yeah. been not really. It's been yeah. seven years. It's <laughs> right. been a lot of work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. And it's just like, just because you just heard about it, right. it didn't exist. Mm -hmm. um, but, it, you know, I think our success, our success really has been attributed to the fact that it comes from an authentic place. Like it comes from myself and my team. We are a company by and for millennial women. You know, we are always asking ourselves the same type of questions of like, what, what information do I need? Can I write that off on my taxes? Am mm. I interested in hearing this person speak? What are the issues on our minds right now? And we really build from there, you know, like we don't mm. have a sales team. We don't have anything like that. It's literally just like 10 of us putting together these events and programming mm -hmm. and content, um, you know, from a place where we want to be the number one source for women to be enlightened, entertained and inspired on the daily. And we want to, you know, be providing really amazing, you know, and I always say this, but real talk advice, you know, there's no room anymore for, you know, the secrets to success yeah, and not sharing yeah. the goodwill is like, you have to pay it forward. Uh, and that really is what CNC is about because people did that for me. I want to do that for other people. And I'm just so lucky to be able to do it for thousands of women, which is awesome. Well, and I think, you know, I, I think the fact that you came at this as an entrepreneur already, and then you saw the hole in the market or you saw what you wanted that you weren't getting and and then launched Create and Cultivate off of that. You didn't start, you didn't say like, I'm going to start a conference series for women as my first business. You know, you already like saw the problems and saw what the holes were, which I think just makes what you do a lot more powerful than someone being like, let me put a, together a conference. Yeah, totally. And like, I never had ever thrown a conference. Like mm -hmm. I, you know, I didn't, that wasn't in my DNA. It wasn't what I studied. It wasn't what I worked in. So I literally was just making it up. Um, but I was like, this is a cool thing I think I'd want to go to. And, and, and I kind of created from there and I didn't follow a formula. Um, I didn't really listen to people when they were like, no, 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 you should just start a social network or, you know, create, you know, LinkedIn for women. And I was like, I don't think we need that. Yep. Like, yeah. I think we need offline experiences and I think it's important. And I just kind of stuck to my guns. And, you know, I think that's been, you know, part of the reason why people have really gravitated towards the company. 
How have you thought about incorporating content and and programming for women who don't want to start their own company, who don't have that entrepreneurial itch, but really just need advice about how to operate in, in a more traditional corporate environment? Yeah, totally. And so that's a, a lesson we learned very early on is, you know, our initial tagline for Crank Cultivate was, um, you know, for, uh, you know, a conference and an online platform for digital entrepreneurs female digital entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. And what we found was number one, a, a bunch of people were like, well, I have a company or I have a side project, but I'm not like an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. But in my head, I'm like, wait, you, you are like, you are. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, well, well not word, successful yet. Well, and also and, that and word like, feels very like, I don't think only recently has it been uh, like co-opted. And this is such an unfortunate way mm -hmm. to put it by women. Like it felt yeah. very like male and like, uh, you know, I don't know. It just didn't feel like pe something that people, that women like saw themselves in necessarily. Absolutely. And we, and we found that out and it was very disheartening. And basically it was one of those things where I was like, okay, got it. Like let's rephrase and reframe the way we're doing this, but also have that conversation on stage. But also, you know, another, uh, piece of feedback we got was, you know, I don't want to be the boss. I don't mm -hmm. want to be an entrepreneur. I want to support someone who has a vision, yep. but I want to keep learning. And so we thought that was very important to incorporate into our programming as well. And so we shifted a little bit in terms of, you know, the narrative we were um, kind of providing of who the CNC woman is. And, and really we talk about everything from, you know, negotiating your salary, being in an existing company. We have incredible executives speak from, you know, companies ranging from Microsoft to McDonald's who are in massive companies mm -hmm. dealing with very different problems than, you know, a solo founder, yeah. but we talk about all of them because I think there's, you know, value in the expertise of uh, all of these women. And it, no matter if you're an entrepreneur or if you're in a full-time job, you don't know what you're going to be doing in the next, you know, five, 10, 15 years. And hearing from these amazing, powerful women and getting their insights yeah. is very helpful to apply to any stage of your life. Well, and Eric and I are just are also really good examples of that as people who have built our own company, sold our company. So now we continue to run our own company, but operate also as employees of a larger one that is a very exactly. sort of like traditional corporation. So in any given week, we are both entrepreneurs and employees who are reporting to, to bosses. Yeah, totally. And thinking exactly. about like, and, yeah, yeah. And, and that's a really fascinating piece of the puzzle too. I mean, that's the success story, but mm -hmm. it's always like, what happens after that? You yeah. know, like what? Yeah. You know, and I don't think people talk about that enough. And it's really interesting. I actually interviewed uh, for our podcast, Bobby Brown, mm -hmm. which is really fascinating because she was saying, you know, she stayed on board after her acquisition for 22 years, which wow. is wild. Wow. Um, I had no idea. Yeah. That's like when and, the acquisition yeah. would have been, huh? It, it's crazy. And she's like, number one, that's unheard of. Yeah. But number two is like, you know, she talked a lot about her frustrations with the experience. Like it was the best and worst thing that ever happened mm -hmm. to her. Um, and I, and I was like, it was so refreshing to hear the after the fact story that yeah. uh, doesn't often get told. Truly. Yeah, truly. Can you, can you brag for a minute about some of the people that have spoken or presented at create and cultivate conferences? Yeah, it's it's kind of insane when I think about it. Um, but, you know, we've had everyone, and I love saying these two names together because everyone kind of is like, wait, what? Um, we've had everyone from Gloria Steinem to Kim Kardashian. Um, Heavy so, hitters. <laughs> so we, you know, the way we think about our speakers are CEOs, content creators, uh, and celebrities at the end of the day. But it's people who have stories, you know, mm -hmm. that can share stories in interesting and unique ways. Yeah. Um, you know, we had early on, which is wild, and I got to interview her, Megan Markle, oh, wow. uh, pre 
very royal yeah. <laughs> royalness, um, which was amazing. And, and she's actually one of my favorite keynote conversations we've ever had. And, and um, it's, she was so hilarious and funny. Um, but Issa Rae, Mandy mm. Moore, um, you know, the founders of Soul Cycle were amazing. Um, Aisha Curry, Nicole Richie. I mean, the list goes on. It's really yeah. awesome um, and inspiring. And, and, you know, it's awesome because we also have people that you probably never heard of that, right. you know, had the most inspiring stories and are some of the best speakers that, you know, I've ever had the chance, you know, to hear or speak or moderate with. And I always joke, like, I need a notebook sometimes when I'm sitting up <laughs> moderating a panel because yeah. there's such good advice, um, you know, from our incredible community. And now you have a book. Can you tell us about the book? Yes. So Work Party is my new book. Um, and basically it, it's part memoir, my story coupled with, you know, real talk business advice, as well as stories from some of the incredible women that have graced the stage at CNC. And really, you know, in writing Work Party, I wanted to give a real look back at my life and how I got to where I am today. I wanted, you know, people to know that I was the girl crying in the bathroom, having it not figured out at one point. And mm -hmm. I was the perpetually single girl in my group of friends. And this is how I figured things out. These are the failures I had. These are the learnings I took away from it. And here's how you can do the same. And I think that was really important for me because I couldn't write a book that was all like, follow your dreams and be authentic. Cause I'm like, that didn't work mm -hmm. <laughs> for me. <laughs> and, um, and I think, you know, <laughs> the secrets to our success, like I said, it's an outdated notion. And I think we have to share our stories yeah. in real authentic and vulnerable and ways. Essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, how do you come up with a title or what does it mean to you? So, yeah, it was funny. So work party was something that, um, you know, our editorial team at CNC kind of came up with, um, early on. I was like, I think that's such a fun hashtag. Like maybe we'll use it in a campaign. And then essentially I was like, I think that should be our podcast. And this is again, a while ago, so like yeah. a few years ago. And then we we're like, Oh, we're never gonna have time to do a podcast. We're like at that point, a team of like five people. Um, and essentially Simon and Schuster approached me, um, about the book and I was so excited and I was started writing the book and all of a sudden I was like, the book is work party. Work party is the book. <laughs> and it kind of came about naturally that way. But, um, it's funny cause there was some pushback from my publisher about the title, um, in the sense that they were like, work parties are boring. Like no one wants to go to their work parties. Like everyone avoids like the gross Christmas holiday party. And I was like, no, no, no. But like, no, it's like work is a party. Work is a party. And like, it took me forever to get it over the hill. And it was like a real back and forth. And I just was like, no, I'm not doing it unless it's called work party. That's and so funny because we, with, we, we experienced a similar thing with work wife where it was like, that's like a out, which is the title of our book where yeah. some people really got it right away. And some people were like, wait, that's like an outdated, like old fashioned thing that hasn't, that's like about women working for men. We were like, no, 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 no. That's, that's, what, no. Yeah. Yeah. that's what women <laughs> who work closely together yeah. call each other. Yeah. Like, yeah. Which is funny because when I never until right now, did it occur to me to hear work party as a party that happens at oh, work. Oh, I have a work party. Yeah, to yeah. go to. I know the whole time, <laughs> yeah. I've, and I've obviously been conscious of the term from you, Jacqueline, for a while now with with the book promotion and always was just like, right, work's a party. It's a work yeah, party. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's exactly the point, right? Mm -hmm. It's like the fact that you guys thought that's immediately and yeah. didn't think the other way around no. is, is kind of the point. Right. Um, so your book has this incredible glossary in the back of it of all of these business and legal terms that you maybe didn't know when you started a business and we most likely did not know when we started a business. Mm -hmm. um, what are some of the things you wish you had known that you do know now? Oh, 
there's so many. I, I mean, mean, same. Yeah, same. <laughs> the, the most important thing I would say early on is is mastering the legal jargon. And mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but early on, I signed so many things that I had no idea what they meant. Right. And just wanted to sign the contract, wanted to, you know, get the money. And at mm-hmm. the end of the day, I think if, you know, if and when you can afford a lawyer, amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you can't, you just need to teach and understand the fundamentals of contracts and negotiations. And I think that's everything from indemnity clauses, payment terms, late fees, kill fees, uh, you know, insurance, all of those different things. And, and knowing where, you know, where your IP sits, I think, you know, early on you're like, it's fine. I don't care if they own everything. I just want to do this, but you have to kind of think through those long-term play the long game, I guess is kind of the way I would put it, especially Mm -hmm. when it comes to these, uh, you know, complicated legal, conversations we just have had one of these yeah. recently and it had, I think we're so much better at it now than yep. we were five years ago because I think you're right that in the beginning you're like oh well it's like so great that they want to do this thing and yes. like yeah I don't care if like it's just nice that they want to do this and then you think about it and you're like oh actually if they own this and they do x y and z with it how annoyed will we be I do feel <laughs> it's it is one of the toughest things and even when you do have a lawyer it's really hard to toe that line of like I want to get I do want to do this project mm-hmm. and I want I don't want to cause a fuss but I think it is one of the reasons that when we had any money, the first thing we did was hire a lawyer because that really stuff care before is so we had scary. any money. Yeah, no, it's true. <laughs> it was really before yeah. we had any money, and that stuff is really it's it's challenging and just and even if just to have somebody are negotiating for you that's not you. In exactly. Those yeah, and at the end of the day, it's like you know, if you have someone negotiating on your behalf, it's great because they can be the bad guy and yep. you can blame it on them and that's fine. But also, you know, don't be afraid to stand your ground as like yep. a solo entrepreneur negotiating mm-hmm. your first contract or whatever it is. Yep. Um, I think people will appreciate the pushback. I'm always like, anytime anyone signs anything without any red lines, I'm like, Oh really? yeah, it's always surprising. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's same. surprising. Yeah. Yep. And I think that's important to know. Like it doesn't make you difficult. It makes you smart. Well, it's like the same way, like, you know, I respect people who push back um, on salary and Mm -hmm. like ask for more, even if it's not something we can do, even if we're like, actually, like, this is the ceiling. It's I I never feel like bad being asked. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, What else should we know about work party? Well, uh, we're going on tour, Ooh. so we'll be doing a 10 city book tour, which is really exciting um, and exhausting, but Truly. exciting. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, and then um, obviously we rolled out the podcast, which we need to have you guys on for sure. Um, but yeah, so the podcast uh, launched a few weeks ago. But And what um, happens basically- on the podcast? Yeah. So basically each episode is tackling a different issue of being an entrepreneur. So, you know, it's everything from starting by starting, getting your business off the ground, paying it forward, negotiation, all of those types of things. Each episode we have an expert. So everyone from a lawyer uh, to a VC kind of giving us, you know, those real talk, you know, point by point kind of, uh, you know, information and explanations. And then we bring in someone who's done it. So, um, you know, like I said, Bobby Brown and, and talking to her about selling her company. Uh, we just had a episode with Kristen Bell um, about paying it forward in her company, This Bar Saves Lives. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just, you know, basically conversations about, you know, how we can create our own work parties uh, and build the uh, career of our dreams and have fun while doing it. That sounds very excellent. Yes. Excited about the book and the podcast. Both. Truly. Um, are, who are the like entrepreneurs or women business leaders um, (laughs) that you're really (laughs) excited about or pumped on these days that you're like stalking on Instagram? 
Oh my God. I mean, there's so many, um, but I'll give a quick roll call of some women that I love. Um, I, I first and foremost, Cindy, Cindy Ramirez. I don't know mm-hmm. if you guys are. Yes. Yeah. yeah. She's the founder of Chill House. She's doing some amazing things and she has awesome momentum and killer taste. And we've worked with her a few times and love her. Um, Marie Forleo. I don't mm-hmm. know if you guys know her, but she is a total boss and, and she's a platform called B-School, which is really amazing. Um, Katie Storino. Yes. Who's the of, mm-hmm. Yes. Of Mega Babe. I don't, you know, she's disrupting an entire industry. I think what she's doing is so amazing. Um, you know, I just, I love her and she's been a supporter of CNC and um, Morgan Debon, who's the founder of Blavity. Um, she's an incredible entrepreneur. She's in the book work party um, and she's awesome as well. Um, Jacqueline, this was so nice. We're so, so thrilled to have you on. Thanks so much for taking the time. Um, of course. Thank you guys. And thanks for being an early supporter. Oh of my CNC. gosh. We're so proud to be on this like list of incredible women. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's the show. This has been a production of Dear Media. You can listen to us wherever podcasts are found, like Stitcher, iTunes, and now Spotify. Follow us at Avakind on Instagram and Twitter and like our Facebook page. If you have ideas or requests for the show, email a few things at Avakind.com. If you want to advertise, that's advertising at Avakind.com. Our intro music, Butterfield East, is written and performed by the Soulful Saints. 